Hi, and welcome back to another uh, podcast. I'm Dr. Josh. This is Dr. Doug. I believe this is podcast number eight. We thank you for joining us. Um, we got a couple great things to talk about today. Uh, earlier this week, we were invited to yet another national presentation. Uh, this one will be in Dallas, Texas, the uh, first part of November, and uh, we'll be speaking at the Physician Summit, which will be exciting, uh, yet another conference on direct primary care and uh, the evolution of these style practices. So then uh, one of the interesting things that happened this week is uh, we've been able to add several new users to our software. Uh, as you know, we launched live April 2nd for uh, open beta testing, and so we have a lot of invitations uh, going out and requests coming in for users to uh, be included in that. Uh, so as we've walked each new user through, uh, we've been excited to see all the positive feedback. Everyone's very excited about uh, what it can do and how different it is compared to EMRs they've used in the past. So it's been nice getting that positive feedback. Well, and something that's kind of uh, interesting, and every time we do these, you know, of course, there's there's new information on various things, but uh, from when we recorded this just yesterday, uh, several big insurers, including uh, Aetna, United Health, Cigna, etc., um, are basically kind of very cautious about Obamacare and, and uh may not even be participating in the exchanges. So, you know, yet again, this is kind of a another uh, nail in the coffin for uh, Obamacare. And just, I, I think, as, as they see things coming up, how this just really, it, it can't work. It's too far big a beast to stop. Um, so, uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, and I know you guys are too. But uh, it, it's that's pretty big news, that, that kind of stuff, the delays and non-commitments continue. Uh, so... That's good news for uh, for direct primary care, but uh, you know, for for the average American out there, and, and for uh, patients of yours that are, are questioning, you know, what can I do? What 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 does this mean to me? Uh, those are some of the things that, that we keep a very close eye on. So, if anybody has any questions about that kind of stuff, please uh, uh, you know email us or let us know because we'd love to talk. I think philosophically, it helps us to acknowledge that the insurers are not expecting reform to have all the answers and that if they're not participating in the exchanges they're going to have to look for other ways to be innovative and offer a quality product to the consumer and so as uh, the pressure of health reform comes down I think this means insurers are going to be that much more accepting of doctors doing direct primary care because it's a, a better relationship between the physician and the insurer and the patient uh, also uh, Friday, we have a couple of physicians coming from out of state, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, it seems like we tend to schedule those on Fridays, and we get an open invitation to anyone who wants to come and see how our clinic works and kick the tires. Of course, you're welcome any day of the week, but um, it's fun to have uh, uh, fresh people come through and see how this works and share our vision with them. I think for a lot of people, uh, it, it solidifies being able to see how the clinic works. You know, we're not just a uh, you know, we're not just a podcast, we're not just a website, but, you know, we are really uh, a couple of very down-to-earth guys that, that realize that the, the problems that are out there needed uh, a solution. So uh, for a lot of people, it, it helps to actually get in and walk around and talk to us in person. Absolutely. Uh, but our main topic this week, uh, again, since we launched the software a week ago Monday, is uh, we decided to talk about all the things we don't like. 
about EMRs. I'm sure this is a topic about any physician uh, can be somewhat passionate about. Um, and, you know, it's all the things that we don't like about EMRs that encouraged us to build one specifically for direct primary care. So, uh, in no specific order, uh, Dr. Doug. First of all, uh, we looked at. You know, we've looked at many, and we're not going to name names. I mean, everybody knows who the big players are out there and all the other people that... They know. Uh, they the, know. the other companies. But, you know, by and large, it comes down to, uh, or one of the things, is design. If you can't design something that's not uh, atrocious, doesn't give you a headache, I mean, you know, if you have to leave your office every day going to the uh, optometrist's office because you feel like you have uh, something wrong with your eyes, it turns out it's just your EMR, well, that's a problem. You know, there's just... There's too many things shoved into too small a space, uh, too many uh, pop-ups or warnings or, uh, you know, click here to open that, and in that you have to open another window. So just the overall design doesn't flow. It's, uh, it's overall, it's hard to look at. There's a reason that, um, there's a reason some programs do well when they look good. Uh, it has to function well also, but it has to look good first and foremost. Uh, you know, I think form and function are just uh, incredibly tied together. And in a world where Apple and Samsung and everyone else is so focused on the design aspects of what their end user is going to see, EMRs are in a world where none of that matters. Uh, it's 2013 and they're writing software for Windows 95. And so that's a big part of physician frustration. Sure, and and making sure that your platform uh, it, it it works. You know that's something else that drove us crazy. The next number on the list is is being tied to some sort of a platform. Uh, even had a uh, a doctor ask us just recently about wanting to demo it, and, and he I, and I, quoting him, asked how many weeks will this take to install? Um, but you know our reply to that really is you know if you sign up for a Gmail account or Facebook. It's a matter of minutes and you're up and running. You don't have to train on it. Nobody actually, I mean, who out there that uses Facebook ever had somebody train them to use it? Right. You just open it up, you sign up for an account, and you start clicking. And good it makes, software it makes enough sense. Yeah. yeah. It should be designed, again, with the end user in mind, so that, uh, it, but it's flexible across all platforms so that doctors can be very uh, adaptive and they can learn it in the way that they want to learn it and use it in the way that they want to use it. Uh, you know, one EMR is based in DOS. Uh, another one I have to use in the emergency room is Windows XP and Microsoft's not even going to support Windows XP for much longer. So uh, I think that leads to a lot of the frustrations because we're in a mobile world. Every other bit of software that we like to use is uh, available across platforms, uh, except EMRs. Well, and a great example would be, you know, I was, it was this, uh, uh, just a few days ago, actually, it was a Sunday, I was at my nephew's baseball game, and uh, a patient of mine texted me uh, that she was having a sore throat, was able to send me a picture of it, uh, I looked, and, you know, uh, what she was explaining and describing was very consistent with, with strep throat, so I was able to uh, fax in uh, medication through the software to the pharmacy that she wanted. The note is uh, in there with the picture. So, you know, those are the kinds of things, you know, for a few minutes away from the baseball game to take care of a patient who hadn't slept for six hours because her throat hurt so much. Uh, she got the care she needed, and I didn't uh, miss my nephew at bat. Yep. Uh, next would be that, you know, I think 
on some level, just the fact that they're tailored for insurance. Uh, obviously, we're supporting the direct care movement. Anything that is designed for a doctor to utilize health insurance, almost by default, is, is going in the wrong direction. Um, that's the red tape. That's the um, bureaucracy. That's the, the hassles and the hoops and everything else. And, and you, you are not unable to create software that's good in that model. We just haven't seen it because it becomes several standard deviations more complex. You now have to conform to each state government, the federal government, each individual insurer and find out what they want and each plan and not to mention the doctor and how they use it, which is often the last thing that uh, is thought of while they're they're building the CMR. So, you know, just kind of incorrect from the start they they focus on the wrong thing well and sometimes you you know you really do have to take a step back to take a step forward and and by that i mean looking at how physicians used to practice and yep. if somebody showed up with a sore throat and it was strep i didn't have to bill or or code for through some icd9 uh, mess in order to say that i just said you know sore throat cough fever looks like strep, it is strep, I'll treat it like strep, and that'll be $30. That's what doctors used to be able to do, but now you put it into the system, it has to be verified by somebody, you're afraid to code too high a level, uh, and, and EMRs out there are also designed to do this. They want you to maximize your billing, but mm-hmm. you know doctors are afraid to overcode because, you know, heaven forbid, if you accidentally charge a level four for what was a level three visit, then you'll get fined. You might uh, be you know otherwise penalized. The insurer will refuse to pay. I mean, everybody's been there, and this is wrong. And this is for a strep throat visit. You know, this is just this should be an easy in and out, guaranteed payment, fair service for a fair product. And, and again, that's just it's it's not the insurance world we live in. Uh, that's not what insurance was meant for. So again, and some, something else that's really been a problem is uh, HIPAA. And for those of you out there that uh, you know get get bombarded with the HIPAA, that is a HIPAA violation. Sort of, you know, you, you get those people. I don't know where they come from, but they always quote HIPAA. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's actually the health insurance. Portability and Accountability Act. Nowhere in there does it say privacy or information. So it's actually written essentially because of insurance. So security is on everybody's minds, of course. You know, we, we uh, nobody wants any of their medical data to be uh, out there for somebody to see. But just so you know, if you bill. Uh, Medicare, if you electronically submit claims and receive payment from Medicare, if Medicare wants to see that patient's note, guess what? They have every right to see it legally. But if you don't bill Medicare, you don't bill an insurance, the patient pays you directly, no one has a legal right, you know, save for a, a legal subpoena for some reason, you know, in a, in a legal case. No insurer out there, including Medicare, can ever come to you and say, well, we need to see that patient's information. You have no legal right to do that if the patient doesn't want you to. So it keeps the relationship between the doctor and the patient, uh, I think, a, a pure uh, relationship. But HIPAA is a barrier, not a benefit, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, there was a article published in uh, the Pediatric Journal, and long story short, it referenced a study about emails, and especially pediatric practice, and after eight months, their secure 24-step 
secure login uh, system generated five emails, and the conclusion was that patients don't really want to email their medical providers. And I think we can all see how inherently wrong that is because patients love to use email. They love to text message. They love to use modern technology, but it can't be a hassle. It needs to be a quick, seamless process. So we think that we are secure everywhere where we can be, need to be, and should be, but we've done it in a way that doesn't inhibit the patient from receiving their health care. So uh, we, we minimize any barrier as opposed to standard EMR that's just full of barriers. Yeah, if, if a patient texts me that their throat hurts, and the NSA has some interest in that, <laughs> then that's their issue. But, you know, it, it, always patients can come in and, and speak with us personally, but we have a multitude of patients that will text or email uh, just because of convenience uh, from, from their standpoint. They're at work, and they can't get away to make a call, but they can swim, send a quick text message, or, or they can take a quick picture of a rash on their break uh, and, and email me a picture. Those are the sorts of things that they're okay with me seeing a picture of their eczema if it means that they can stay at work and they get the care that they need. Absolutely. Uh, last but definitely not least is cost. Uh, you know, a good EMR has to be cost effective for physicians. And there was an article a week or two ago that questioned whether or not the average EMR can even return a positive uh, result on investment for doctors. Is that the improvements in billing are uh, counteracted by the decreases in efficiency for most staff. But the problem is those are still EMRs that are required to go through the insurance billing model, so therefore you still have the staff to do that. Yeah, you have to have more staff, which means more complexity. And even though you're seeing more patients and billing more, your cost to the system uh, is still high. And so for us to be able to build a system uh, that is very powerful but very flexible and the price will be $300 per month per provider, that comes out to about 1% of gross operating costs or I'm sorry, gross revenue for most practices in a direct care model. And so this is easily a tool that will save you at least one staff member. And, and when you look at what it's able to do with... Uh, again, the, the billing, inventory, prescribing, shipping, note-taking, integration of email, Twitter. It's, I mean, nothing. Merchant fees, yeah. <clears throat> integrating with employers so that employers can be involved in paying for care. The list goes on and, and on. And trust us, it's, it's, not us uh, it's not us tooting our own horn because we feel that we've built a great product. Of course, Josh loves to pat himself on the back, um, actually. Um, I had, won't has, deny that. <laughs> but... Really what it came down to is Josh and I were several months into practice when we realized that what's out there is just not going to work. It's, it's trying to, uh, you know, it's trying to strap an engine onto a horse and buggy and hope that it works. Well, it's not going to work. It was never designed to do that. I mean, you can limp along, but we really need to change something. So this was us looking at things, and I guarantee every one of you out there has had some sort of an issue or problem with your EMR, and, and we would love to hear, actually, from you what you had, what problems, what do you not like, what do you like, uh, but this is us coming at a problem from the ground up saying there has to be a better option 
Uh, and the exciting thing about a new business model for, for delivery of healthcare is it requires new tools. And we get to be on the forefront of that, building new tools. And, and so do you. And as we continue to roll out beta testers and find out the nuances of their practice, we get to make a richer product that serves a greater number of people. And because we're not tied by meaningful use and uh, the standard insurance regulations in red tape, we get to continue to just build the best product for the end user. And, uh, and that's fun. So I know we talk, uh, this is kind of on more of a personal note from my standpoint. Um, we're, we're recording this on 9-11, and uh, for those uh, servicemen and women out there, uh, firefighters, police, and, of course, healthcare workers, uh, keep doing what you're doing. We, we appreciate everything that you guys do because, you know, with, without these industries, and I think more often than not the talk of, of exchanges and uh, insurance and whatever. I think oftentimes the people get lost uh, and, you know, everyone thinks that doctors are out there playing golf and, you know, driving to and from the, uh, the, their, their summer home in their Mercedes when, you know, really all of us are just, we're, we're trying to do what's best for the people we take care of. So thank you very much, everyone, for doing what you do. Special thanks to my brother who's Navy Special Forces and joined specifically because of 9-11. So now... He's been in about eight years and uh, risks his life, and, and we all uh, uh, hope he always comes home safe. So thank you, Jared, for that. So if you would like to get a hold of us, uh, please uh, email us at hello at atlas.md. Of course, our website, uh, atlas.md, uh, to take a look at uh, the EMR and even our blog. Uh, there you can find. And put your pin on the map. Uh, IWantDirectCare.com help prove the national necessity uh, and interest in primary care, direct primary care, both from uh, the provider standpoint uh, and for those of you out there who are uh, receiving care that you wish was a little bit better. Uh, so please get a hold of us. And if you can't make it to any of our national talks coming up, don't hesitate. Contact us. Put your cell phone number in there. We'll give you a call. Uh, we'll, we are more than happy to uh, do one-on-ones with anybody who is interested, uh, even if you can't make our, our national talk. So, Thanks again for your interest, and we'll, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. See you next week.